everyone. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with some of the craziest shit ripped straight from the headlines. Move on to all the TMI on the latest lawsuit against Rudy Giuliani and follow all of that up with the case of the missing informant. Let's begin, shall we? History always finds a way to repeat itself, and in the case of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, this is not a good thing. Regarding Prince Harry and his wife Meghan, the couple were involved in a car chase with photographers. The chase occurred in New York. They were involved in a near-catastrophic car chase at the hands of a ring of highly aggressive paparazzi, allegedly involving half a dozen blacked-out vehicles. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex accuse highly aggressive paparazzi of relentlessly pursuing them, at times driving on sidewalks in an incident lasting more than two hours. Resulted in multiple near-collisions involving other drivers on the road, pedestrians, and two NYPD officers. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I did not have Prince Harry and Meghan Markle being chased in a car by paparazzi on my 2023 bingo card, but (laughs) here we are. Apparently, self-exiled British royals can't hang out in New York without having to reenact any one of the nine Fast and Furious movies. The mayor of New York City told the press that he thought this was dangerous and reckless on the part of the paparazzi, which, let's be honest, is the least he could say considering the entire ordeal was a two-hour triggering trauma session for the son of a woman who lost her life in a very similar situation. The year was 1997, and Princess Diana was in a Mercedes-Benz with her then-BF Dodi Fayed, being chased by the paparazzi through the streets of Paris, France, like they had just robbed a bank or something. And then everything came to a catastrophically fatal end at the mouth of a tunnel. Everyone in that Mercedes died on impact, leaving Prince Harry and his brother William without a mother. And Prince Harry at the time was only 12 years old. But the mayor of New York didn't stop there with his aggressive use of adjectives to describe what Harry and Meghan went through. He also added his own two cents along with the NYPD. Mayor Eric Adams called the media irresponsible. Uh, It would be horrific to lose an innocent bystander during a chase like this and something to have happened uh, to them as well. I would find it hard to believe that there was a two-hour high-speed chase. Two law enforcement officials said nobody was in danger during that pursuit. The NYPD says it assisted the private security team protecting Prince Harry and Meghan last night, saying in part, quote, there were numerous photographers that made their transport challenging. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex arrived at their destination, and there were no reported collisions, summonses, injuries, or arrests in regard. Okay, so it's the mayor's opinion that the chase was not two hours like Harry and Meghan claim because the NYPD wrote down that it was only an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, like he's never heard of police officers falsifying reports, especially the NYPD. But the best part is the near-fatal pursuit could not have happened the way that Harry and Meghan described because there were no corroborating reports of injuries to bystanders or other vehicles or even cops. (laughs) For fuck's sake, what kind of backwoods logic is that? The only thing that that proves is that Harry and Meghan have the best driver. 
because they didn't end up dying in a car chase or hitting any other cars or any other pedestrians or any cops while the paparazzi were chasing them through the streets of New York for at least an hour and 15 minutes. Not that the whole thing didn't happen. And while we're discussing stupid people saying stupid things at a podium, the worst Kevin ever to become Speaker of the House proved that it isn't just the prehistorically handsome moron from Georgia who doesn't know how numbers work. Can't Count Kevin said this with the most confidence any idiot ever mustered in front of a live presser. Roll tape. And what happened this weekend? A person on the terrorist watch list from Afghanistan was just coming across this border. Why? You know, we caught more people in the month of February on the terrorist watch list than we caught the entire time of the last administration. <laughs> I don't think those words mean what Kevin thinks they mean. But then again, they aren't called the poorly educated for nothing. So mathematically challenged Kevin's sick burn is that Biden's administration is catching more members on the terrorist watch list than the former guy. <laughs> and that's a bad thing. How? I mean, sure, it doesn't help Republicans narrative that caravans of immigrants are coming into the United States. And that is definitely a drawback for them as alternative facts go. But at least less fentanyl is being smuggled in across the border as a result, right? Fun fact, more fentanyl enters the United States vis-a-vis -vis American citizens than immigrants seeking asylum at the southern border. But I'm sure that's not helpful to maggots using fan fiction to villainize President Biden. <laughs> oh, well. And while we're discussing Republican shenanigans in the government, the former pedophile-adjacent Ohio State coach-turned-congressional embarrassment Jim Jordan and his new illegal side hustle, the Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, were just outed for the squirrel-style distraction that it is in what can only be described as an epic burn brought to you by the Democrats. Roll tape. Congressman Jim Jordan's so-called government weaponization committee devolving into chaos. The chairman clashing with Democrats in a hearing today as some of the key witnesses in his crusade against the DOJ and the FBI face serious questions about their credibility. The hearing comes a day after the FBI said in a letter that certain FBI employees had their security clearances revoked after espousing alternate theories about the January 6th attack on the Capitol. The witnesses claim that's retaliation. Oh, really? It makes one curious, what could these three men have possibly done to incur such a visceral reaction from the FBI, being stripped of their security clearances and losing their jobs? I wonder what they did. Hmm. Let's start off with Jock Itch Jordan's star witness number one, Mr. Marcus Allen. Among the reasons FBI staff operations specialist Marcus Allen had his security clearance pulled? Trying to hinder investigations into January 6 rioters. Allen was found to have expressed sympathy for persons or organizations that advocate, threaten, or use force or violence. Promoted conspiracy theories about the January 6 violence, including 
that federal law enforcement had a role in instigating the riot. In one email, Allen told colleagues to exercise extreme caution and discretion in pursuit of any investigative inquiries or leads pertaining to the events of January 6. He also suggested federal law enforcement infiltrated the January 6 crowd. And had misled a colleague about a January 6 suspect. Uh, yeah, that guy should not be working for the FBI. (laughs) Sorry, but that isn't the FBI targeting an employee for not towing the line. It's more like a government agency making sure that the insurrection isn't continuing on from inside their department. So what about Jim the Joker Jordan's other whistleblower? What did he do to get canned so disgracefully by the FBI? In Stephen Friend's case, the letter says he refused to participate in the arrest of a January 6th suspect, downloaded documents from FBI computer systems to an unauthorized removable flash drive, released sensitive FBI information on his personal social media accounts without authorization, and participated in multiple unapproved media interviews, including an interview with... Russian government news agencies. Um, Absolutely. The FBI did the right thing in getting rid of Mr. Friendly to insurrectionists and his buddy, Benedict Allen. See, gaslighting Jimmy brought these maggot sympathizers and apparently friends of Russia to Congress because he thought the rest of the committee was as stupid as Fox, not a news channel viewers happened to be. But Democrats, nah. They were not having it. Democrats like Representative Stacey Plaskett of the U.S. Virgin Islands, who brought up the fact that just because Orange Nose Jimmy is now the chairman doesn't mean he can refuse to share information such as testimony from witnesses that he obtained during backdoor interviews with the Democrats on this committee. Roll tape. We have been made aware from what you stated that Mr. Allen did meet with you all and might have testimony that was transcribed. He stated that he did not feel comfortable meeting with the Democrats. He's comfortable being here today. We will be questioning him. Will you give us a copy of that testimony that was transcribed of your discussions with him? It'll be up to Mr. Allen. But you are in possession of them, aren't you? Sure are. So why would you not give them to us? Mr. Allen's a whistleblower and he didn't want that to happen. And we can we can talk about the testimony, but right now you're not getting the testimony. Mr. But Allen's you, here to testify. And you'll give us the testimony when? After he's left or at no point in time? Or when will we have that? That's only for the Republicans. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, that is exactly what he means. And the perfect example of why you don't let idiots with an agenda control anything. Being chairman of a subcommittee that you made up isn't like forming an after-school club with your neighborhood friends. You can't just change the rules because you're making them up as you go along and you honestly can't remember what rules you made up yesterday. Congress committees and even subcommittees that you create just because you have the gavel, have actual rules and regulations written in black and white, which brings me back to the argument that perhaps this is really about Jimmy Boy and whether or not he can read. Luckily, Democrat Rep. Daniel Goldman is well-versed on all things reading and decided to share a bit of information with the poorly educated chairman. The point of order is why does Rule 11, Clause 2, Subsection E1A not apply to this 
subcommittee. Each committee shall keep a complete record of all committee action, which shall include, in the case of a meeting or hearing transcript, a substantially verbatim account of remarks we actually it. made during the proceedings, subject only to some technical things. Such records shall be the property of the House, and each member, delegate, and the resident commissioner shall have access thereto. Why does that not apply? Where is the whistleblower exception in the rules of Congress that says that does not apply? It's the prerogative of the committee to decide. We have the whistleblower testimony. The whistleblower does not wish that to be made available to the Democrats at this time. The whistleblower doesn't make committee rules, sir. Mr. Lynch is recognized for five minutes of question. Oh, I think I know what's going on here. Jimbo created his subcommittee to weaponize the government. Ah, using the power of a congressional hearing and testimony to legitimize fascistic right-wing ideologies, which then can be used to propose laws that would legalize Christian nationalism. Oh, (laughs) it's like a light came on. Fun fact, fascist Jim Bob star witnesses both have received money prior to their testimony and appearances before the subcommittee from Cash Patel, a former Scooby Coo senior director of counterterrorism Dictorate, and apparently Daddy Moneybags to disgruntled insurrection participants who identify as whistleblowers that want to make an appearance on Doc H. Jordan's weaponizing the government. And now for something completely different. And now on to a story about modern day Christian family values. Apparently a 30 something former teen mom who only got her GED because she was told she needed to do so in order to run for Congress and a man who exposed himself to underage girls in a bar aren't the modern day hallmark romance the congresswoman from Colorado made it all out to be. Oh, so sad. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert has officially filed for divorce from her husband of nearly two decades. She wrote in a statement to the press, it is with a heavy weight on my heart that I have filed for divorce from my husband. I am grateful for our years of marriage together and for our beautiful children, all of whom deserve privacy and love as we work through this process. She also says, I've always been faithful in my marriage and I believe strongly in marriage, which makes this announcement that much more difficult. Wow, that sort of sounded like a confession, dropping that she was faithful in her marriage when no one asked that question or even questioned her fidelity, which, hmm. Makes me curious, did this 30-something-year-old grandma get into an entanglement with her trainer like her partner in Dumb from Georgia did? (laughs) Because bobblehead doth protest too much. Meanwhile, there's plenty of redneck drama happening before this poorly educated couple has their first court date. Angry white man and neighborhood nuisance Jason Bobert reportedly reacted like this when he was served divorce papers. The estranged husband of Colorado Representative Lauren Bobert threw a tantrum when she served divorce papers at the family home, according to court documents. The process server was quoted as saying, once he learned that he was being served with disillusion of marriage papers, he was extremely angry. I tried to hand him the documents, but did not take them. 
He started yelling and using profanities and told me that I was trespassing and that he was calling the sheriff's office. I told him I was leaving the documents on the chair outside the door. He closed the door, then let the dogs out. The document also noted that Jason was cleaning a gun and drinking a tall glass of beer when he was served. Okay, so this happened on April 25th, which was a Tuesday, which also means this dude had nothing better to do on a Tuesday afternoon than to drink his non-woke beer and clean his gun and let his dog sick a process server. Real man of genius, huh? Anti-education department Barbie is seeking custody of their children, child support, and total control over decision-making when it comes to their children, which is really kind of choosing one of the lesser dumber evils, I guess. So watch out, Christian Mingle members, because there is a new 36-year-old grandma coming to that dating site who will be swiping toward the right hand of Republican Jesus, of course. And as terrifying as that sounds, seriously, (laughs) it is nothing compared to what's happening with the first attorney to represent a former U.S. president whose spray-on hair dye literally melted down the sides of his face during a press conference that happened to be held in a well-air-conditioned room, otherwise known as Rudy Giuliani. Trump ally Rudy Giuliani is the target of a new lawsuit accusing him of sexual assault, harassment, wage theft, and other misconduct, and they're asking for $10 million in damages. Plaintiff Noelle Dunphy claims Giuliani offered her a job in January 2019 as his director of business development with a salary of a million dollars a year. Over the nearly two years that followed, Dunphy claims Giuliani paid her almost exclusively in cash, made clear that satisfying his sexual demands was an absolute requirement of her employment, forced her to perform a variety of sexual acts, and breached their alleged business agreement. FYI, this part of the show is not kid-friendly. Having said that, kids shouldn't be listening to this show in the first place. And having said that, the once America's mayor turned Nosferatu cosplayer appears to actually be in real life a hands-down-his-pants pervert that we saw in that Borat movie? Imagine you're a graphic designer, and your new boss doesn't just meander around your cubicle asking where the TPS reports happen to be. He shows up smelling like a Jack Daniels distillery, making sexual references that would cause any reasonable person to instantly vomit. Not to mention that this guy allegedly talks with his hands, Literally. So in the complaint, this woman says that she was groped on a regular basis and expected to perform oral sex on that fat bastard while he was on the phone with very important people, like the former Cheeto-in-Chief, because he told her it made him feel like Bill Clinton in the Oval Office. And hold on. I think I'm going to have to play a clip. Because I thought that I could get through this, but you know what? This is just making me sick. Roll tape. The lawsuit also alleges Giuliani, a personal attorney to then-President Trump, told Dunphy Trump's team would claim there was voter fraud if he lost the 2020 election. In another instance, Giuliani allegedly said he was selling pardons for $2 million, which he and President Trump would split. The lawsuit also says Giuliani allegedly told her not to go through the normal channels for a pardon because then that'd be subject to disclosures under the Freedom of Information Act. 
Okay, good news and bad news. The good news is the lawsuit comes with a huge collection of audio recordings. The bad news is it doesn't have a recording of the melting Four Seasons lawn care gnome discussing the pardon grift to make millions of dollars. But come on, the overbronze swamp thing from Florida was just found liable for sexually assaulting a woman in a dressing room and then lying about it 30-something years later. What are the odds? He surrounds himself with badly aging, cryptkeeper-looking perverts who also happen to sexually assault women who happen to be within arm's length of them like employees. So I'm going to go out on a limb, folks, and say that those odds are probably pretty good. And since this case has only just begun, I don't know about you, but I can't wait for those tapes. It is so awesome that this asshole and total dick was actually recorded because what is he going to do? Claim that it's the AI chat GPT program pretending to be Guliani on those tapes? Wait a minute. Now that I think about it, I better put it on my 2023 bingo card before the trial starts. And while we're on the subject of consequences chasing Republicans right now, it appears that informants are very hard to find nowadays. They do their whistleblowing and then they just ghost you. And when I say you, I mean Judiciary Committee Chairman and 50-year-old Kentucky rep with a haircut almost as old, Mr. James Comer, who can't find his only informant in that Hunter Biden laptop, Joe Biden foreign money scandal that no one else thinks is a scandal investigation they've been doing since the worst Kevin took over as Speaker of the House. Comer has been leading a maggot-filled crusade against what they're calling the Biden crime family, which is about as imaginative a name for their fake outrage as you'd imagine coming from the poorly educated. Comer claims lots of stupid things about Joe Biden, like this racist conspiracy only an overweight white man could come up with. Did he get paid for canceling the China initiative? Well, this is one of the policy decisions that Joe Biden made that makes no sense. Uh, the China initiative was an FBI operation that was investigating a spy ring in our colleges and universities, which just about every major university president in America would admit there's a problem. China sends students over here. Uh, they want to volunteer to be in our research and, and development programs, and they steal our intellectual property and send it back to China. This has been happening for a decade. Every university president knows it. But when Joe Biden became president, one of the first things he did was cancel the China initiative because they said it was racially profiling these Chinese students in the United States. Wow. That must have made Lumpy James from Kentucky extra crispy kind of mad because he banded together with like-minded racists and is actively wasting millions in taxpayer money to go after President Biden. And then there's the whole revenge thing with the Southern Doughboys, dear leader, being rightfully impeached twice while in office and currently under several criminal investigations and indictments. Nothing like white rage, especially the impotent kind Comer's projecting all over Fox, the not news channel. 
The problem with this international spy fan fiction Comer is peddling on cable news is that no one outside of his maggot colleagues have been able to verify its truthfulness. First off, Biden didn't end the racist profiling of Asian students program until February of last year. And while I understand math is hard for Comer, being from Kentucky and all, Biden was inaugurated in January of 2020. That was two years before Comer lost the comfort of going to sleep at night, knowing that it was still legal for colleagues to racially profile Asian foreign students like they were going to bomb Pearl Harbor or something. Secondly, and most importantly, the FBI and the GOP's own investigation into their allegations of corruption, money payments and all the like from the Biden family coming from Ford and governments for favors and yada, 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 literally has no basis in reality. Zero evidence has been presented that backs up their 4chan-fueled allegations. And not only that, but it appears that their informant is like your friend's Canadian girlfriend because no one can find them. You have spoken with whistleblowers. You have spoken, you also spoke with an informant who gave you all of this information. Where is that informant today? Where are these whistleblowers? Well, unfortunately, uh, we can't track down the informant. Uh, we're hopeful that the informant is still there. The whistleblower knows the informant. The whistleblower is very credible. Ho hold on a second, Congressman. Did you just say that the whistleblower or the informant is now missing? Well, we, we're hopeful that we can find the informant. Now, remember, these informants are, are kind of in the, the spy business. So uh, they don't make a habit of uh, being seen a lot or, or being high profile or anything like that. Uh, we have basic information with respect to what the informant has alleged, and it's very serious. It alleges uh, that Joe Biden, when he was vice president, was involved in a quid pro quo with a foreign country uh, in exchange for, for foreign aid. Oh, you know those informants. They are such slippery little suckers, aren't they? They just disappear when you need them most, like when all the evidence points to Republicans just spending millions in taxpayer money to produce a Barnum and Bailey style show called the Biden crime family that no one asked for. And I don't know about you, but I don't know what a quid pro crow is. Maybe it's another unwanted sequel like to that 1994 film starring the late great Brandon Lee or Something even less useful than that fat frog they call a mountain chicken. Not to mention those financials Comer's maggots were able to get their grubby colonizer hands on. Those were marketed like a smoking gun that actually turned out to be more like a bubble gun. Here's the biggest doocy named Steve over at Fox to explain. I know the Republicans said that the smoking gun were these financial records that you uh, were able to subpoena and got your hands on. They show that some of the president's relatives were paid more than $10 million from foreign sources between 2015 and 2017. And your party, uh, the Republican investigators say that that's proof of uh, influence peddling by Hunter and James. But that's just your suggestion. You don't actually have any facts to that to that point. You've got some circumstantial <laughs> evidence. And the other 
weird thing is, of all those names, the one person who didn't profit is uh, there's no evidence that Joe Biden did anything illegally. You know you've been caught spinning conjecture if Fox resident turd is calling you out for missing the crucial part of an investigation. The evidence... Do any of these Republicans understand that nowhere in their job description as members of the U.S. Congress does it say conjecture from online common threads is the same as evidence? And that point, fortunately, is not lost on people like Democrat Congressman Daniel Goldman, who said this just a few days ago. It's shocking to see the rhetoric that's coming out of the Republicans based on what they have produced. But what they don't have is any link to the president. And yet they're acting as if the president is some kind of mob boss overseeing a uh, racketeering enterprise trying to to essentially get paid by foreign governments in return for uh, policy decisions. They haven't found an iota of that. There is nothing wrong with the private citizen doing business in China. And in fact, we know that. We know that the Republicans believe that because Donald Trump had a Chinese bank account until 2018 while he was president. Danny Boy has a good point. Comer seems to be confusing President Biden with the tangerine ball bag, who, while in office, accepted an estimated $73 million in just foreign nationals staying at his various hotels to garner favor. Foreign nationals representing countries like Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Turkey, and the UAE, just to name a few. And what about Slenderman Kushner, who received $2 billion in investments to his private equity firm while his father-in-law, Mayor McDonald's, was president? Kushner walked away with an extra $25 million stuffed into his pockets right after as compensation for his Razzie winning performance as peacemaker in the Middle East. Spoiler alert, Palestine and Israel are currently still fighting, but at least Kushner was able to capitalize on his forgettable role as a robot just trying to blend in by raising $3 billion from regular people who donated to the Abraham Fund, a charity for Donnie set up to piggyback off of branding. See, Kushner's peacemaking mission was called the Abraham Accords. So if you donated to the Abraham Fund, you were just helping a family of grifters appear to be like billionaires, at least for a little while. And what did those foreign nationals get for all that bribe money? Why, plenty of lucrative oil contracts, funding for construction of a pipeline, and so much more. So as you've probably figured out, There is evidence of a son using his father's position as president to take bribes from many foreign countries and their representatives in exchange for quid pro crows. (laughs) It appears like Comer is just looking at the wrong president and son or maybe son-in-law. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week, again, air every Sunday and follow us on social media wherever you can find us. This Week, again, is available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon Music, or wherever 
you listen to podcasts. And thank you so much for listening to the show. Ta-der for now.